A pastor in England told his young sons about a missionary who had gone to a far-off place called Sri Lanka. He described the hardships that this missionary would experience and told how she would often encounter poisonous snakes. Any of you a big fan of snakes? Yeah. <laughs> the little guy. Yeah, I'm, I love snakes. Freddie, who was only five, uh, the son of this pastor, kept thinking about those dangerous reptiles. That night, during his bedtime prayer, his father heard him say in a quivering voice, Oh, dear God, please take care of Mrs. of Miss Price. Keep her safe from those snakes. The power of the child's intercessory prayer was soon demonstrated. For as the missionary was returning home one day, she saw, lurking across her path, a small but very deadly snake. Within striking range, and with its head raised, the serpent was poised to attack. And then suddenly, for seemingly no reason at all, it fled into the long grass. How she thanked the Lord for her deliverance. Sometime later, the male brought this word from her pastor. Little Fred never forgets to pray for you. Two Sundays ago, he asked the Lord most earnestly to keep you from being harmed by the snakes. She discovered that it was the exact day she had almost been killed. That's awesome. This morning, we're going to talk about praying for one another. And this is going to be kind of a different sermon uh, than the ones I've preached before. We're going to do a little exercise at the end that we've actually done before, but we're going to do again. Um, but uh, we're going to pray for each other a little bit later on. But today's sermon is going to be a little different. Usually I like to start off with a passage of Scripture and unpack it and, and uh, expound on it a little bit. Today I'm going to try and create, and the emphasis on try, I'm going to try and create a logical argument. And some of you are thinking, there is no way, Sean, that you are going to come up with any kind of logical argument. Uh, but no, what, I, what I'm arguing for this morning is, is nothing that's very controversial, uh, but it's something that we need to be reminded of. Uh, it is an important part of growing as a Christian, and it is an important part of prayer. We are talking about praying for, our, for each other, meaning our brothers and our sisters in Christ. We're going to talk about praying for each other. I want to focus this morning on praying for our fellow Christians. We've been talking about devoting ourselves to prayer for the last several weeks here on Sunday mornings. And uh, it is a good thing uh, to pray for people, uh, both Christians and non-Christians. But I think as, as the days become more evil, uh, as the enemy gets more active, we need to be lifting one another up more in prayer. We need to be praying for each other. Look around this room. You are in a room filled with, with your brothers and sisters of Christ who are under attack by the enemy, uh, who are facing difficulties and hardships, uh, maybe not literal snakes in their path, but uh, figurative snakes in their path. And we need to be praying for each other. We need to be very intentional about praying for one another. Paul asked to be prayed for in Romans 15, Ephesians 6, Colossians 4, 1 Thessalonians 5, and 2 Thessalonians 3. He mentioned to the Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Thessalonians that he and his associates were praying for them. He also told Philemon and Timothy that he was praying for them. We have a great deal of biblical precedent for praying for one another, for praying for our fellow Christians. And we're going to look at some more biblical passages this morning as we talk about praying for each other. Well, first, I want to set up this argument for praying for one another. And the first thing that we've got to look at is the Father's instruction. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 5, we read about what is called the transfiguration. The, to transfigure something or someone means to change the outward appearance of it, of the thing or the person, or to transform it. It can also mean to exalt or to glorify someone. Both of these things happened on a high mountain where Jesus went to pray with Peter, James, and John. He was glorified and his appearance was changed. 
he was transfigured. Matthew 17, 2 says, His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. It was at that moment when Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Matthew 17, 4 says that Peter said to Jesus, Lord, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While Peter was talking, the Father, God the Father, spoke as a cloud enveloped them. This is what God the Father said. He said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. The father endowed Jesus with the authority to speak for him, and he spoke through Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 35, the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. In other words, the father endowed Jesus with all authority. Authority over sin, as Jesus was given the authority to forgive sins, as it says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 6. Authority to teach. Jesus spoke as one who had authority. He taught as one who had authority. Authority to raise the dead. Jesus did what only Excuse me, the father could do, and that was to raise people from the dead. The most famous instance, I would say, is probably uh, that of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. He had the authority to heal diseases and sickness and to drive out evil spirits. I know that Jesus had authority to do all of these things because in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, he gave his disciples the authority to do all of these things. Jesus also got into big trouble with the teachers of the law because he called God his father and made himself equal with God. We see that Jesus had all of this authority and that the Father commanded Jesus' disciples and followers to listen to him in an audible manner. Listen to him. When it comes to Jesus, as I was talking about with our young friends, we are to listen to him and obey him. So what we have is the Father's instruction. God the Father has instructed his people to listen to his Son. And not just to listen to him and hear what he said, but to do what he said to do. Again, going back to obedience and doing what it is the Father has commanded us to do, what Jesus has commanded us to do. We are not just to listen to the Son, but to obey the Son as well. What good is it? What good is it to hear Jesus' words and not put them into practice? What good is it to hear him speak, to listen to his commands and not do what they say? To not do what Jesus tells us to do. In Matthew 7, Jesus said that the one who hears his words and puts them into practice is a wise man. The one who hears his words and does not put them into practice is a foolish man. If Jesus is God in the flesh, then it stands to reason that we should do what he says. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Logos, the Word. He is the very Word of God. And John 1 says that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And since Jesus is fully God, we must obey his commands. So let's talk about Jesus' command. He gave many commands, so what are we talking about? Which one? In John 13, 34, Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. He said in John 15, 17, This is my command, love each other. This was the command given by Christ to his followers, his disciples, and they were to follow his command and love one another. We are to love each other. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, 
you will obey what I command. Uh, the father's instruction to listen to his son uh, was to listen to his son and not just to listen to him, but to obey him. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. John fourteen twenty one says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. You want to show God how much you love him? You want to show Jesus how much you love him? Obey his commands. Do what he has said to do. The command of Christ is to love one another. So we have God's command, which is to listen to his son. We have Jesus' command, which is to love one another. So if we are to listen to Jesus and obey Jesus, then we need to love one another. That's what it's all about. If God has instructed his people to listen to his son, and his son has commanded his followers to love one another, then what is our response? Love one another. You know, we could respond to Jesus' command in several ways, and the early church did. But one of the things they did, though, was to pray for one another. One of the things they did was to pray for one another. Uh, one example of this is found in Acts chapter 12. Peter had been imprisoned by King Herod. This was after uh, Herod put John's brother James to death. Uh, Peter was being guarded by 16 soldiers. No hope, right? None at all. 16 soldiers guarding Peter. No possibility of escape. Except for the secret weapon that the church had. They got together and they prayed for old Pete. Acts 12.5 says Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Two days before Peter goes to trial, an angel shows up that evening and breaks Peter out of prison. Say that five times fast. The chains fell off of him and he slips past all the guards, all 16 of them. Peter walks out. He goes to John Mark's mother, Mary's house, where the Christians are praying, and he knocks on the door. Rhoda, the servant girl, answers the door and gets so excited to see Peter that she runs back to tell everyone that Peter was there. One problem. She didn't let Peter in. Here's a fugitive from the law standing on the doorstep saying, uh, 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 could you, could you please let me in? Um, 16 guards looking for me right now. The point of the story is that, <laughs> point of the story is that the church got together and they prayed for one of their own. Take a look at this cartoon from uh, Leadership Journal. Oh, great. Here comes Bob. I told him I prayed for him. Dear God, help Bob. Amen. Hey, Bob, been praying for you. You know, it's funny. It's funny because we've all said that we'd pray for someone, and what do we do? We forget. We forget to pray for him. And then, you know, then we see him coming. It's like, oh, man, I told him I'd pray for him. One of the most flippant things that Christians say to one another is, I'll pray for you. I really believe that. One of the most flippant things that we say is, I'll pray for you. Someone's going through a tough time, really had a bad day, rotten experience or whatever, and they come to you and they're just pouring their heart out to you and you don't know what to say. You're totally, you know, flabbergasted. It's like, oh my, what do I, what do, I do? What do I say? And it's like the little light bulb goes off. I'll pray for you. Oh, yeah, uh, I'll pray for you. And then we completely forget all about it. We forget, we forget about the person. We forget about their experience and what they're going through. You know, we become like the guy who said he prayed for Bob, when we, and then we see him the next time. Oh, no, I said I prayed for Tom, and I didn't pray for him. Or it could be that we have the best of intentions. We really meant it when we say that we would pray for Tom, but in the busyness of life, we forget. Maybe the best thing that we can do, if we are forgetful about praying for each other, would be to pray for the person right there, right there where they are. Sean, I've been going through a really tough time. I've had a bad day. Life is really difficult. Uh, I'm about to lose my job. Uh, whatever. Well, let me pray for you right now. Let me pray for you right here. You're here on a Sunday morning, and someone says to you, I've had a really, uh, really had a struggle this week at work. Nothing seemed to go right, and now my boss is really watching me, and I'm afraid that I might lose my job. Well, instead of saying, I'll pray for you, say, let me pray for you right now.
Don't worry about what others might think. Don't worry about what someone might say. Get this. You're praying in a church building. What a novel concept. Pray for somebody right there, right then. Go ahead. Show the love of Christ to that person and pray for them at that moment. Well, I want to close this morning by talking about a few ways that we can pray for each other. These are all taken from the New Testament. James 5, 13 through 16 talks about praying for those who are sick. You know, that's a great way that we can pray for each other. When we're sick, when we're not feeling good, we've got uh, illness, disease, whatever. Uh, we can pray for each other when we're sick. But when we pray, we must pray in faith like we talked about last week. Or we talked about several weeks ago. We can pray for the sick. We can pray for those who are suffering in disease. That's a great way to pray for each other. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 and 2, Paul tells the church at Thessalonica to pray for Silas, Timothy, and himself. He tells them to pray that the message of the Lord would spread rapidly and that they would be protected from evil men because not everyone has faith. You know, going back to what I said last week, we can pray for missionaries. We can pray for ministers. Praying for each other goes beyond praying for the other people in this room. We need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that includes missionaries and ministers, like I said last week. Praying that those who proclaim the gospel would do so boldly. Who would, they, we would do so fearlessly. And that we would do so clearly. Pray for missionaries and ministers. Praying that those who preach and teach would be free from harm as they do the Lord's work. How many stories have we heard of ministers in foreign countries who get thrown in prison or worse because they're proclaiming the gospel? We need to pray for those ministers uh, who are in harm's way. We need to pray for missionaries uh, who are in harm's way. Another way we can pray for each other is to pray that God will bless our brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen to this. In, John, in 3 John verse 2, John tells his dear friend Gaius, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. Now, some teachers have used that to, to, uh, to further what's called a prosperity gospel or a health and wealth gospel. And I don't think that that's exactly what that's getting at. It's not that God wants you to be rich and fabulously healthy and wealthy all the time. What I think that it's getting at is it's just one Christian praying for the blessing of another Christian. We should pray for each other. And we should ask for God's blessings for one another and that life will go well with them. Why would we want bad things to happen to our brothers and sisters in Christ? And some of you are sitting there going, well, I can give you a few reasons. We should desire God's best for one another. Right there where you're sitting, the person sitting next to you should desire God's best for that person, especially if you're married to them. <laughs> we need to pray for God's blessings. We need to pray that God would bless our brothers and sisters in Christ and do what is best for them. So this morning, we're talking about praying for each other. And uh, we're talking about uh, um, lifting each other up to the Father. We're talking about going to God on behalf of our brothers and sisters. And I think that the best thing that we can do, the best way we can put this sermon into practice is to do just that, is to pray for each other. And several weeks back, several weeks, a couple months ago, we prayed for each other on a Sunday morning. We broke up into little groups of two and three, and we prayed for each other. I want to do that again this morning. Uh, maybe get with the person that you prayed with before, or maybe uh, meet up with somebody that you haven't prayed with yet. And take a few minutes and get into groups of two and three and pray for one another. Maybe share a prayer request that you have, or, or if you're uncomfortable asking someone, uh, maybe a stranger, to pray for something specific, just ask them to pray for a silent need or, or for God to bless you this week. If you're uncomfortable praying out loud, and you may be, some people don't like to pray out loud, uh, and you know maybe you don't know what to say, well, uh, we're going to put a prayer up on the, on the board up here, up on the screen. 
and uh, just get the person's name that you're praying for and pray this prayer for them. It's real easy. Just, Heavenly Father, I ask for your blessings to be upon Mildred, uh, as I pray for them today, please heal whatever hurts and heartaches they may have. Please provide for all of their needs. We love you and thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. I pray this in his name. Amen. Just a real simple prayer. Take a few moments now. Get in a little group of two and three. Share your names. Share a prayer request if you've got one. And uh, just take a few minutes and pray for each other. Okay? If you can just go ahead and finish up real quick. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for praying for each other. Um, Pastor Lee Eklov tells this story. He says, uh, recently my former church in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania had a big baptismal service out at the lake. 35 people were baptized. The last one was Harold Gallagher. I could hardly believe it when I heard that. Linda, Harold's wife, had been praying for him for 30 years. He's always been a great guy, kind, helpful, willing to let Linda and the boys be involved in church, but he just wasn't interested. I called him to get the story straight. Harold, I said, what's this I hear? He said, last November, some tough times were getting the best of him. After all those years, it was the, uh, it was the crisis that pushed him to go visit with the pastor. Linda was with him, but when Pastor Jeff asked if Harold would like to accept Christ, and he said yes, Linda was shocked. And he's been growing. Every Sunday morning at 7.30, Harold meets with Mike in order to grow in his faith. He has tabs in his Bible and everything. Linda told me I waited all those years to have him sit beside me in church. She said that when Harold was baptized, through his tears, he thanked everyone for praying all those years. He's ushering at church, she told me. She said, you've never seen anyone so proud to be an usher. One of the best ways that we can pray for each other is to pray for each other's family members who don't know Christ. We've all got them. Maybe a parent, maybe a sibling, maybe a child, maybe a father-in-law, a mother-in-law, could be anyone. We've got someone in our family that needs to know Jesus. And we need to pray that the Lord, to the Lord that he will move through his Holy Spirit and convict them of their need of their one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus died once for all, for sins once for all in 1 Peter 3.18. There are people here this morning who are hurting deeply who are really hurting because the loved one they know doesn't know Christ. There are people whose hearts are breaking because they know someone who isn't going to heaven right now. That if something tragic were to happen, they'd spend an eternity separated from God. So one of the best ways that we can pray for each other, and we may not know a specific situation, we may not know exactly uh, who the person is, But we can pray that the family members in our lives would come to know Christ. Maybe today is the day you need to know Christ. We offer an invitation here every Sunday morning. And uh, this invitation is for those who don't know Jesus, who've never been baptized. uh, And uh, we invite you to come and do that today. Maybe you will be the answer to someone's prayer. Maybe you will be that herald. Someone's been praying for you to know Christ. Someone's been praying for you to get baptized. Maybe today is the day. In all things, let us continue to pray for one another. Take those prayer requests that you've heard this morning. Take that person's name that you've heard this morning. Pray for them this week. And continue to lift each other up in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for those who don't know you. Pray for those who've never surrendered to your will. Pray for those who are walking in darkness. 
and ask, Father God, that you would move through your Holy Spirit in a powerful way to convict of sin and righteousness. Help us, God, to remember to pray for each other. We're all on the same team. We're all together in this. We're working hard to build your kingdom. We've all got issues. We've all got struggles. We've all got problems. We need to pray for each other. And I pray that you would call names to mind this week as we pray. We might lift each other up to you. Thank you for being a God who hears prayer and answers prayer. Pray that you would answer the prayers that have been lifted today. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.